Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8, and uh, thank you, Faith and Alan. Uh, First Kings chapter 8, remember, we looked at Solomon's prayer uh, over actually the last three weeks, because there there's so much to it, and you know, you could go on and on and on about prayer and the importance of it, uh, but just by way of recapping it, uh, remember, uh, he... Remember how he went to God in prayer. He went humbly. He went needy. He went knowing that without God, he could do nothing. And then remember, uh, he he had really a sevenfold prayer. He he prayed for justice. He prayed that that God would help him uh, give justice the way that was right, right? Uh, And to to deal with the wicked properly and for, for God to render justice properly as well. He prayed for rescue. He prayed for provision. He prayed for deliverance when they sinned. He prayed even for outsiders, uh, those that were not uh, believers in God, that they would become believers in God and that they would trust Him by faith. He prayed for victory, and He also prayed for restoration again when they had sinned. And a lot of, the, a lot of those prayers have to do with forgiveness from God because that was why the temple was there, right? The, the temple was there so that they could get forgiveness from God. And now... We're going to go ahead this evening, and we're going to finish this chapter, and we're going to begin by looking at verse 54. So let's go ahead and read that. Verse 54, it says, And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto all his people, Israel, according to all that he, has, that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us, nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes, and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And let these words wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord be nigh unto the Lord our God, day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant, and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as a matter shall require. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and that there is none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes, and to keep his commandment, as it as at this day. And the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord two and twenty thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. The same day did the king hallow the middle court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and meat offerings and uh, the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. And at that time, Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt before the Lord our God, seven days and seven days, even fourteen days. And on the eighth day, he sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and went unto their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for David, his servant, and for Israel, his people. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness to each one of us here. We thank you for the faithfulness that you uh, had to the Israelites and how you just continue uh, 
uh, continue to show us in your word how faithful you were to them and how uh, caring you were and kind you were to them. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, you'll help us to be faithful to you just as you're faithful and devoted to us. I pray that you'll help us to live our lives for you and to look to, to honor and glorify you in everything that we do because that's why we're here. You have placed us on this earth so that we could glorify you. And I pray that we will fulfill our purpose, uh, each as individuals and corporately as a church. And I pray you'll just uh, be with the preaching this evening, and I pray that you'll help me to uh, just be careful to uh, say exactly what you want me to say this evening and open up our hearts to receive it in your holy and precious name. Amen. So Solomon here, after he has that long prayer to God, he then blesses the people, he praises God, and then he gives the Israelites a charge. And the essence of the concluding words of Solomon in this dedication could be summed up like this. God has been faithful and devoted to you, and now it's time for you to be faithful and devoted to Him. Now, you just consider all that God has done. We talked about it on Wednesday night. We'll talk about it a little bit tonight. Just consider all that God had done for the Israelites while they were wandering around in the wilderness, before that, after that, and yet, how often did they stay completely devoted to Him? Not very often, did they? So often they, they, they fell away and they, they served false gods and they worshipped false gods and uh, they were not just devoted and dedicated to God like they should be. And you know, we often find ourselves in the same boat. How often are we uh, faithful and dedicated to God? I was thinking the other day as I was preparing this about the day that we live in. You know, we live in a social media age, right? We live in a day uh, where everybody knows what everybody's doing. And nobody's quiet. Well, I say nobody, but a lot of people are not quiet about anything that they do. And oftentimes Christians are not even quiet about their own spiritual life. And a lot of times Christians, they think that everybody needs to know everything that they're doing for God. Kind of like what we talked about this morning. For many people, if I'm reading my Bible, if I happen to read my Bible that, that morning, the world is going to know it. If I had prayer time in the morning, the world is going to know it. Or if I went to church, or if I served in the ministry, or if I did a good deed, the world is going to know it. I think of uh, videos that I've seen and, and posts on Facebook that I've seen of uh, somebody uh, walking up to a homeless person with a camera in their hand or a phone in their hand and they're recording and they hand them uh, $100. Well, you know what? That's great that you, that you did that kind deed to that homeless person, but why did you have to broadcast it? Why did you do it? Right? Uh, and, and, and really, whether we post about it or we tell it to people in a group chat or we brag about it to our families, there's a lot of people that just are constantly loud about what they are doing for God. So as we look at this challenge from God's word and this challenge from Solomon, I just want to encourage everybody that's here to just quietly and faithfully and consistently be devoted to God. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know exactly the dynamic of what's going on with that lady and Kelly as she's talking about, but I would assume that Kelly has not been really in her face. I'm sure she's prayed about it and she's talked to her about things, but she knows that she's a Christian because of the way she lives her life. Which we should, I, I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for lifestyle evangelism. We should be telling people. We should be using our mouth and, and witnessing to people. But our life speaks volumes as well. And I'm not against posting scripture uh, on social media or, you know, that maybe has blessed you or talking about it to people. 
But my point is this, okay, listen. We all need to be very careful not to broadcast all of our good deeds to the world. Because then we're in danger of doing what we're doing just to be seen of men instead of doing it for God, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We don't need to be seen of men. What men think doesn't matter. What, what pleases God is what matters. So this church and, this, and this, this town and this state, this country, it needs, desperately needs, Christian men and women that are just quietly and faithfully living for God. That's what we need. And I don't know if anybody here does this, but, I mean, just think about this. If everybody has to always know what you're doing for God, then tell me, is it really for God? Is it really for God? Or is it to be elevated in the minds of other people? It's a good thing to, to examine our hearts and to ask God to reveal our motives. Again, like we talked about this morning, and uh, I, I like that old saying that says, uh, empty wagons always make the most noise. And often, empty and carnal Christians are the loudest about what they're doing for God. So be careful about that. We just need to be people that are, are daily more concerned about being faithful to God, even in the smaller areas of life, uh, more so than we are about appearing to be holy before men. And uh, so we're just going to go ahead and look at these few verses here and, and look at the faithfulness of God to us. And look, if we need motivation... To be faithful to God, I think this is a pretty, good, a pretty good factor, isn't it? Just the fact that God has been faithful to us. Look at verse 54 again. Verse 54, it says, And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all his prayer and supplication to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread to the, up to the heavens. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. So after Solomon gives this dedication, this dedication prayer, he gets up from his knees and it says that he blesses the people. He loudly praises God uh, for giving his people rest that he had promised. Now, what does it mean? What does he mean here when he says that he has given them rest? Well, we find the answer by looking back to the promise that he's speaking of that he made to Moses. That's where we find the answer. So let's go and look at that in Deuteronomy chapter 12. When you compare scripture with scripture, we easily find what he's referring to here. And look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 12. And look at verse 9. And this was God's promise to the Israelites. He says, I will give you rest. And look at verse 9 of Deuteronomy 12. It says, For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your heave offerings of your hands, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. And here we see this promise in First Kings really, really coming to fruition, coming in full. And the rest really that he is speaking of uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 12 is obviously conquering beyond the Jordan, having victory over enemies. It speaks to the enemies of Israel, leaving them alone. It was a time 
of peace. Now this rest, it really uh, came to really to fruition here in, in 1 Kings, uh, and we'll see it later in 1 Kings 4. But this time of rest, it began when Israel completed their conquest of Canaan. You remember that? Anybody here for Joshua when we looked at that? Joshua chapter 21, let's go there. We'll just look at the, the beginning of this rest of these Israelites. And we know that they were, they were warring and fighting and battling. <clears throat> look at Joshua chapter 21. Look at verse 20, uh, sorry, 21 verse 43. We see the, really the beginning of God performing His promise to the Israelites in verse 43. It says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them, look what it says, rest round about, according to all that He sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. So we see here that God kept His promise. He fulfilled His promise. And we see God wonderfully fulfilling His promise here. And He was true to His word. He faithfully performed what He had promised. He kept the faith of those that had put their trust in Him. And between Joshua and his time and the time of Solomon... We know there would be times of unrest, right? There would be times of war. There would be times of battle. Man, David, he was a, a man of war. There was a lot of blood on his hands. There was a lot of enemies that he fought. But during the time of Joshua and then during the reign of Solomon, Israel had peace. Let's go back to 1 Kings, or, or go ahead to 1 Kings and look at uh, chapter 4. And we've already gone through this passage, but I just want to show you here how it tells us here that uh, the Israelites did have rest in Solomon's time. And look at uh, chapter 4. And look at verse 24. It says, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 24, it says, For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tifsa even to Azza, over all the kings on this side of the river. And he had peace on all sides round about him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. So we see here that Solomon, he had rest. The Israelites and Solomon, they had peace. And here Solomon is, after he dedicates his temple to God in a prayer, he thanks God to the people publicly, he thanks God uh, for this rest and this peace that they had. And this right here is a wonderful picture of the coming fulfillment of the promise that we have from God. And that is rest and peace forever in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So look, if you're a believer tonight, you can be thankful like Solomon that you have rest coming. Now not just, now let, me just let me actually rephrase that. You don't just have rest coming, you have rest now. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Some of you tonight look tired like you need some rest. But, <laughs> but look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Look at a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 3. 
It says, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, look what it says. For we which have believed. Believed in what? On the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe in Christ. It says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Let me stop there and tell you that God promises rest to all of his children. And this rest includes the peace of God that passes all understanding here and now. It includes the confidence of salvation, the assurance that I have eternal life. It includes his great strength that's given to us by his Holy Spirit. It includes a promise of a forever home in heaven with him. And according to that verse that we just read, this promise is settled, and it has been settled from before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 6. Seeing therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein. Enter into what? This rest. And they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth, limiteth a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So God, this, this verse is really telling us, church, that God's promise of rest is still open. It's still available to those that are not yet in Christ. It's still available to the outsiders that we, that we looked at last week. It's still available to lost people. And God, he had offered uh, rest in the time of Moses. He offered rest in the time of Joshua. He offered rest uh, in the time of uh, Solomon and, and Israel, though they had not had rest in peace until uh, they, they, were, they had the reign of Solomon here. But true and final rest had not really come to them. They did not get to experience the true and final rest that we experience. Now what I think is interesting about that, you, should, you could do a study sometime, and we've been doing it during a men's prayer breakfast, but Solomon... And Joshua, both of them are types of Christ. And both of them brought Israel into a period of rest. But notice, like I always say, they were a type of Christ. But they were not Christ. They, they, they did not match Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, though, he brings us complete rest. He brings us into a rest that, uh, and a, a peace that Joshua and Solomon could never bring anybody into. Look at verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Man, listen, this is awesome, okay? True rest and true peace with God did not come through Joshua. It did not come through Solomon. It only came through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the earthly rest of the Israelites, that was just a shadow of the true rest that was to come in Jesus Christ. And our rest, as it says here, it comes without works. It comes without works uh, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And uh, he has brought us peace with God. He's given us his strength. He's given us his comfort in this wicked world. And look, we have rest right now. Again, in the here and now, we have rest. We have peace. But one day, we're going to have complete and total peace when Christ comes down and he reigns and rules forever. Revelation chapter 11, 
verse 15 says, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means when it says that He's going to reign forever and ever? It means it's going to reign forever and ever and ever. He's never going to stop. He's going to reign forevermore. And I want you to know, just as God kept his promise to the Israelites, God will keep his promise and he will give us this rest that is beyond comprehension, that far exceeds the rest that we could ever experience as his children on earth now. Just imagine it, okay, if you would. Rest and peace, complete rest, complete peace with people. No more fighting, no more arguing, no more awkward family reunions, amen. Complete freedom from pain, complete freedom from sin and suffering. That is what we have in this rest that we're going to have one day when Christ reigns and rules forever. This is the rest that we're going to have in heaven. No more aching bodies, no more weariness, no more sorrow, no more losing the battle of the flesh. No more victory for Satan and the powers of darkness. This is the rest that we have coming to us. And just consider tonight, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of losing battles to sin? Aren't you tired of the corruption and the sin that's going on in the world? Aren't you sick of turning on the news and seeing all the, the terrible things that are going on? Aren't you tired of the sin that just keeps popping up in your own life? And aren't you sick of it? Aren't you weary of being weary? And tired of the doubt and the worries and the issues that are caused by sin? It's tiring. But God keeps His promise and rest is coming. And you can take it to the bank. He's dedicated to keeping His word. Just as He did for the Israelites. But not only is rest coming, while on earth, uh, we know that God, He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And He, he never forsook the Israelites, and He never would. Uh, and He never will forsake us either. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 8 and look at verse 57. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 57. It says in verse 57, Solomon asked God publicly before the people, he says, The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us, nor forsake us. So Solomon just asked God uh, publicly to never forsake them, as he never forsook their fathers. And it's incredible when you consider the fact that the presence of God stayed with the Israelites the whole time that it did, isn't it? And he stayed with them as a pillar of cloud by day uh, and a pillar of fire by night, regardless of what they did. Think about that. Even when the food that God provided was not good enough for the Israelites, He still stayed with them. Even in times of murmuring and complaining, He still stuck with them. Even when they turned to false gods and they didn't obey Him, He still stuck with them. They faced consequences for their sin, of course. But God, in His goodness, did not forsake them. And by the way, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter uh, if we have times of murmuring and complaining, or we uh, walk away for a time from God. God will never leave us nor forsake us. 
And if you're truly his child, you'll come back. And you'll see the error of your ways. But God promised the Israelites in the days of Moses that he would never leave them and, or forsake them. And of course, he followed through. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31. Solomon uh, here is really quoting Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 as he stands before the people and says this request. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. He says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hey, listen, God, he was saying, God is with you, Israelites. He's going to fight your battles. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And this was promised to God's people. And again, he came through. And listen, church, today we can take this promise and we can claim it as well. Hebrews 13, 5 echoes these words as it says, And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And what a promise. And let me ask you that. Are you content with that promise? A lot of times we, we, we talk about that. And we quote that verse, part of it anyway. And we say that, yo, God, he'll never leave me nor forsake thee. Yeah, well, guess what? He tells us to be content with that. Are you content with that? If, if, if everything was to go away, if, you're, if you were to lose your home, would you be content? With the fact, hey, God's not going to leave me. God's not going to forsake me. If you lost your job or you lost your most prized possession, could you, would you be able to say, I'm content because I have God? We should be content with that promise. Because Christ is saying to us, there's absolutely no way whatsoever that I will ever, ever leave you. And that, that should be a comfort to us uh, when, we're, when we're, we feel forsaken by others. That should be a comfort to us when we doubt our salvation. Hey, listen, God will never let you go. You did nothing to, to gain salvation, and you can do nothing to lose it. He will hold you fast. And it's awesome. And in a world where we often find ourselves forsaken, and we experience broken relationships, we experience broken friendships, there Christ is, always by our side. He's always with us. He's faithfully devoted to his children. And because... Solomon knew that God had never failed to keep his promise in the past. He had great confidence in his prayer now. Hey, you look, just looking at the, the scriptures, we know very clearly that God never uh, got away from his promises. He never failed to keep his promises. Every word he always kept. So that church right there, you need confidence that God will hear your prayers. That right there should give you confidence that God will hear your prayer. And that should give you confidence that he will answer your prayers. You can have confidence in your prayers because God uh, will always keep his promises. So, because God was so faithful in all matters to the Israelites, Solomon, he's just kind of reviewing all these things and saying, man, just look how great God is. Look how dedicated he is to us. Look how dedicated he was to our fathers. Look how committed and faithful he was to us and he is to us. And now he tells them that you, in turn, need to show devotion to him. And it reminds me of that verse that says that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. 
Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 8 and look at verse 58. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 58. It says that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And let these my words, wherewith I have made thee supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as a matter shall require, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. And look at verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Now, we know Solomon's, from Solomon's statement here that he did not just gather these people to dedicate the temple to God, but he also gathered these people to, get, to dedicate the Israelites to God. He gathered these people to, de to dedicate himself to God. And when Solomon exhorts these people, he says in 61, he says, let your heart be perfect with the Lord. I want you to know that when he says that, he's not telling them uh, to be literally perfect. He's telling them to do what Christ asked us to do. He, he's not telling them, you need to be perfect and you, you need to have sinless perfection. He's not expressing to them that they need to be without sin. That word perfect, it means to be devoted and faithful, and loyal to God, wholeheartedly devoted to the God of heaven. So Solomon is telling them that they need to devote their heart to God. Be faithful to God. Be loyal to Him. Uh, live in loyalty to God at the expense of everything else. And we all need to understand this evening that to live devoted to God means to forsake that which hinders us from being devoted to Him. You know, there's a lot of believers, they live in partial devotion to God. And that's an easy thing to do, isn't it? It's easy to partially be devoted to God because we're holding on to something else. We're up, we're down, we're here, we're there. But listen, it's not God's will for us to live in partial uh, obedience to Him or partial devotion to Him. It's not God's will for us to be on a spiritual roller coaster all the time. But that's the way it is with a lot of believers. But I want you to understand this evening... If you are on a spiritual roller coaster, if you're only partially devoted to God, it's nobody else's fault but your own. It's only your own fault. Look again at verse 61 what it says. That first word, it says let. Let. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God. Let your heart be devoted and faithful to God. Listen. If we're going to be devoted to God, we have to let ourselves be devoted to God. We have to allow it. You have to do as Proverbs 3, verse 1 says, And let thy heart keep thy commandments. You must not let your heart be troubled, but rather believe God. You must do as Hebrews 10, 22 says, And let yourself draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You must let your heart be devoted to God and stop letting that which gets in the way have your hearts. That's what we need to do. Remember this morning that verse from Matthew, the words of Jesus when he said that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandments. Well, he 
Jesus spoke a lot about that. Again, what Solomon is saying here to the Israelites is exactly what Christ wanted from us. He speaks of the same truth in kind of at a different angle than Matthew chapter 23, but really in the same way that Solomon does. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 24. We all know this verse, but we're going to look at it anyway. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, this is a verse that a lot of Christians could quote by heart, but they don't live it. Look what it says. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now mammon is speaking of money, but it's also in the general term speaking of earthly treasures. So as, you, as we read that verse, and we consider our dedication to God, I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I devoted to? What am I devoted to? It is impossible, church, for us to be fully devoted to God plus fully devoted to something else. We cannot even be partially devoted to X, Y, and Z and say that we are fully devoted to God because we're either fully devoted to God or we're devoted to something else. Now you may say, okay, well, how do I find out where my devotion lies? How do I know uh, if I'm devoted to God or not? Well, for starters, one thing that you could do is examine your time. Do you devote time to the Lord every day? Are you taking the time to devote to God in prayer? Are you taking the time to devote yourself to study and the reading of His Word? Are you being certain not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together in the church? And I know we're talking to the Sunday night crowd, so you're doing a pretty good job, right? Do you take the time to serve the Lord? When the Holy Spirit of God leads you to minister to somebody, do you do it? Or are you too busy with everything else? Are you too busy with work? Are you too busy with a hobby? Are you too busy with sports? Are you too busy uh, to be dedicated to the house of God? Are you consumed with entertainment or time-wasting activities? Too consumed with that to be devoted to His Word and to His prayer and to spiritual things. Do you fail to take the time to focus on your spiritual walk with God due to how frivolous you are with your time and other things? Our, our country and our society is really, uh, really, really, really good at wasting time. <laughs> and let's just be honest, we all can easily fall into that trap. And we all probably do every day, every week. I saw this video and I actually showed it to Mike and I showed it to my wife. And it was his pastor, missionary rather. And uh, he made a really good point. He said, he said something like, that just it really resonated with me. He said, you know, a lot of you people here, you just need to get off the Internet. You need to get off social media. You need to get off your cell phone. And he, and he made a great point. He said, well, it would be a great thing to do. Take a week and look at your cell phone because a lot of these phones, they, have, they tell you what your screen time is. Look at your screen time for the whole week and compare it with your prayer time. Compare it with your prayer time. The average person spends hours and hours a day looking at a screen. But how much time do we spend in prayer? 
We could scroll Facebook and look at Reels and look at TikTok and look at YouTube for hours and hours and hours, and yet we struggle to take five minutes to pray to the God of heaven. That's given us breath and life and all spiritual blessings. And it's not that we don't have time. It's that we don't use the time that we have. Your use of time will show you exactly what or who you're devoted to. So who are you devoted to? Another way could be simply to, to find out by just look at how you use your money. Look at your bank statements and ask yourself, what am I devoted to? What, what am, I, am I being a good sword of the money that God has given me? Am I giving back to him considering all that he's given me? Or am I pouring too much money into hobbies and investments that I haven't even prayed about and in turn investing very little financially into the kingdom of God? Christ said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So examine your money. Examine your time. Now Solomon, he exhorts these Israelites to be fully devoted to God. And that right there would automatically uh, cause them to weed out devotion to anything else. When you and I, when we live devoted to God, we automatically no longer are devoted to earthly things. And this full devotion would cause uh, these Israelites to walk in the ways of God and be obedient to His commandments. Go back to uh, 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. And look at verse 61, but let's look at the, the latter part there. <clears throat> the latter part of verse 61, after he tells us to, be, to have their heart therefore be perfect with the Lord, it says to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. So look, live in obedience to God. Do what he says. Obey his commandments. Follow his statutes. Love his precepts. And we know, and we will soon see though, that despite this charge, the Israelites, they would go against God. But Solomon, he did do well in this chapter to remind them to be devoted to God as devoted as God was to them. And we learn from that verse that, that the, the state of our hearts determines our actions. If the Israelites, if they were devoted to God, if they were loyal to Him, then they would in turn behave in a manner that was consistent with that truth. And the same goes for us today. If the Israelites, they genuinely loved God, they would live their life in obedience to Him. But when other things took their heart, it was then that they turned from God and their lives would be constantly full of just fulfilling the desires of their hearts that are wicked. And again, the same goes for us today. If other things have our hearts, we're not going to be devoted to God. And I just want you to, to consider one example. Consider the person saying these words in 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon. Solomon, this truth would be evident in his life very soon. There would come a time where he no longer was devoted to God like he was telling the Israelites to be devoted to God. Let's look a couple chapters ahead in 1 Kings 11. We're going to soon see this um, as we preach through this book, but I want to just jump ahead a little bit and see 1 Kings chapter 11. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. For it came to pass, when Solomon, this person that said, be devoted to God because he's devoted to you, when Solomon was old, that his wives 
turned away his heart after other gods. And what does it say about his heart? His heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So here we have Solomon telling the Israelites, be perfect before God. Have your heart completely and fully devoted and loyal to him. And God tells us in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, that Solomon himself did not keep what he told the Israelites to do. His heart got turned away from God. It got turned to other gods, and in turn, he lived in disobedience to God. Hey, listen, church, just a few more moments. Don't let this be your story. And one of the most unfortunate aspects of my experience in the ministry, particularly when I was working uh, with teenagers for eight years and putting on youth conferences uh, where churches from all over the place would come, uh, and, and being involved in the lives of young people, uh, one of the most unfortunate aspects of that was seeing so many, te- so many teenagers with a story similar to Solomon. They'd be on fire for God. They would commit their life to Him. They would say they were devoted to Him. They would even tell their friends to be faithful. They would give testimonies uh, in front of hundreds of other teenagers. They would preach sermons. They would testify of the faithfulness of God. They would talk about the truth of God. They would go to the altar and respond to the preaching of God's Word, only to have a few years later, down the road, they just fizzle out. And they turn to the God of self. They turn to the God of money. They turn to the God of lust or the God of some other thing, never to return to God again. Now, I do believe, and we'll see this later on, that Solomon did eventually come around and he came to God. But listen, your story does not have to be that. It does not have to be this way. You can live your life devoted to God every day just by being quietly and faithfully consistent in your walk. He is fully devoted to keeping every promise that He has made to us, and we should be fully devoted to Him. We need to strive to be the Solomon that we find in 1 Kings 8, not in 1 Kings chapter 11. That's what we need to do. We need to be devoted to Him in everything. I mean, look what He's done for us. Look how devoted He is to us. Let's be devoted back to Him. Let's be faithful to the Almighty God that's given us everything. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.